We've done this before. Let's try something new. One, two, one, two, three, four. Welcome to Rage Against the Mainstream, your full-spectrum source for all things music, insight, and opinion. Today is February 15th, 2021. My name is Bill. I'm joined here today, as always, with Steve. Greetings. So what's going on, buddy? How you feeling today? Doing well. Weather's getting a little chilly. I'm getting older. Bones are starting yeah. to creak a lot more than normal. I, you I know, really thought we were in for an easy winter the way it shaped up. Other than that one snowstorm, yeah, it's like not bad. Forty-five degree days. <laughs> I wake up this morning. I'm like, unless you're here in this. Uh, well, obviously this is coming out in February, but we're recording this in January. On this particular day, it's twenty-six degrees I think outside. The wind chill makes it like twenty. No, actually, I read earlier wind chill fourteen. Oh, geez. So fourteen degrees. I mean, I that's the thing. We're right? complaining. There's people, I'm sure, in other parts that listen that's to like this warm. where it's like. <laughs> Americans, <laughs> you're weak. And at the time of this recording, I just want to thank you, thank you all of our peeps out in Germany, get us on the iTunes charts. <laughs> I myself am a respectable German. Last name uh, means home. <laughs> it's the homeland. But um, speaking Sie Deutsch. <laughs> but I want to thank everybody for helping us get to that point. I mean, and it, it's a chart nonetheless. It, it is cool. Yes. Who would have thought? Yes. <laughs> Uh, we were on the American charts too, but we got knocked down like the 17 spots that took us off the top 250. It's all right. We're in a tough world over here. It's yeah. I, you know, we're in a competitive market. Indeed. We, we like to try to market ourselves as different. And, you know, sometimes that makes you fall in between the cracks. Yes. But, um, yeah, nonetheless, it is still pretty cool coming from, you know, us not really having nothing really in the podcast world besides this basically us recording ourselves talking about shit we normally talk about exactly yeah that's the thing you know there there's an ass for every seat or a lid for every pot and there's got to be people that have these exact same conversations mm-hmm. like they're really done like there's no way me and you were the only ones that talk definitely about not you know fucking definitely not death at length this is why i like social media to an extent because you get to pick and choose on who you engage in and if you just follow certain reddit profiles or (laughs) instagram profiles you can see obviously there's people out there who do the same thing yeah exactly and you know we're just fortunate enough to have the resources and means to be able to do this actually as a matter of fact if you if any of you out there wanted to get into podcasts it's very easy feel free to join us it's extremely easy you know, let's build this community strong. Let's Opportunity to, to get shit. on to it, as we say over and over. We've been on the ground floor, it seems, for years now, but still have the opportunity. If you want to join and get in on the ground floor of something <laughs> that could potentially be something one day, get us on our social medias <laughs> <laughs> Instagram and Twitter at RATM Podcast, Facebook.com slash RATM Podcast. And, uh, you know, if you want to submit an application, you can reach us at uh, ratmpodcast at gmail.com. The way we slipped that in there, you would think we were getting paid to talk about our own profiles. Like, I feel like we have all those like, hey, you know, Jim, where'd you get that shirt? Well, Frank got it at express.com. <laughs> at express, you can wear it. Like, you know what I mean? 
Oh my god. So, <laughs> um, have you encountered anything new or interesting in the past week? Uh, I actually encountered something new before we even started talking. Literally, your flashlight's on, by the way. Well, that's no good. That'll kill your battery right quick. Well, that's probably why it's at fifteen percent. Anyway, <laughs> Foo Fighters. Yeah, our beloved inaugural band that decided to perform at the inauguration in extreme punk rock uh, form for them. Super punk rock fashion. <laughs> they have a new album coming out called Medicine at Midnight. As of today's recording, there's three songs currently released. Now, since I, like I said, just found out about this, I have not listened to these three songs, so I'm not willing to I heard commit. Shame Shame. You have heard Shame Shame? It's All a right. fucking joke. Is it bad? Dude, like, it. after the show, I'll let you, well, obviously, I'm not going to, like, let you hear it, but you'll hear it after the show, and you're going to be like, are you fucking for real? Like, yeah, the last I'm, album is better. titles, like, Making Fire, <laughs> Cloud Spotter, the songs that they have released are Shame Shame. Waiting on a war, which I can only imagine. I heard that about. too. That sucked. And then No Son of Mine is the other one they have released. Dude, it's just like we talk about the Foo Fighters and their beginnings, you know, and like their punk and like grunge roots and everything. And, you know, we, oh, they really we, committed to a mainstream effort. This is like if the last one, Concrete and Gold, if that was mainstream, this is like even beyond that. This is like we're literally making songs for commercials at this point. Pretty much, and it's like, I don't know. Like, maybe I'm just out of touch with the times, but, like, hearing these songs... Like, like in, uh, bring this up, like, South Park, when Stan becomes cynical. Pretty much. Him. Well, like I'm, like, I'm listening to these songs, and, like, I can't catch, like, a like a melody I can get down with. Yeah. Like, no memorable lyrics. Yeah. Like, just nothing. Like, no, nothing that reminds me of the Foo Fighters that they used to be. Yeah. Like that's gone. Like that. Like that's dead and gone now. It's a shame because again, the thing with Foo Fighters is, is because of the reputation behind Dave Grohl, it made it that much more easier to want to engage and hear what was going to come out of yep. somebody that had a connection to something so great. And Foo Fighters, for me, they get a huge, horrible rep due to the direction they're heading, and they consistently continue on that path. The commerciality. Yeah, but <laughs> Color in the Shape is still a good album. The self-title is still a good album. Like They still have some decent tunes, but they're becoming one of those bands where we talk about it. You know, One of the bands that we've talked about in the first season to an extent that I don't think we should ever talk about a band ever again. They released four <laughs> phenomenal albums and arguably a fifth great album to yeah. a point where everything they've released since is still not going to tarnish what they were able to establish. Foo Fighters, to me, doesn't have that credibility. Like, they're ruining, to me, my opinion and my view on what I had for Color and the Shape, what I had for the self-title. Like, they're becoming a band that I don't even really want to go and... I just don't want to listen to anymore. Like, Everlong, if it comes on, I'm still going to fucking listen to it. And that's the one song that, to me, is always going to hold its weight. But everything else, it's... Like, I got suckered into listening to the new to, to the two new Foo Fighters songs. Actually, no, I got suckered into listening to Shame Shame. Because I was like, oh, Foo Fighters playing Saturday Night Live, whatever. Yeah. I'll hear the song. And, like, I was like, all right, this has just got to be a live version. Yeah. Like, the real version's got to be better than this. Was not. Well, it's the thing with them. There's certain bands where I talk about it. Like, Megadeth's going to release a new album. That's There have been talks about recording. Yeah. And everything they've done, I want to say since Risk, maybe, has been dog shit, in my opinion. I 
United like Abominations you know, Dystopia, I listened to it because Chris Adler was on drums. I so did I like Dystopia, stoked. though. It, it was okay, but here's the thing. It wasn't, you know, Countdown or Rust yeah. or, you know... Peace Cells, Peace Cells or, you know, But here's the thing. Like that's a band that holds enough credibility where I'm going to continue to listen to their newer stuff just for the hope that something's going to come out, yes. you know? Foo Fighters is that band. I, don't, I can't tell you the last full Foo Fighters album I listened to. Like the latest release of theirs, whenever the I the last one out. I listened all the way through and you know enjoyed it was Wasting Light. Okay, and that was 2011. Like we're almost that's what talking, I'm saying. So we are talking. That's what I'm saying. With ago. this album, I'm probably going to listen to one song just to hear what you're talking about, and I probably won't even. Do you want to be releases. disappointed? Yeah, because shame, shame's pretty bad. But that waiting, uh, waiting for a war, waiting for a war, that's pretty fucking bad too. Okay, so I'm going to definitely have to. All right. Um, I did want to say, though, in a lighter note, that something I did discover that I recently discovered a few weeks ago, and it finally released the whole thing, the Asphyx album. Um, oh, yeah. It's not... I said it was Necroceris, but I listened to the song. It's called Necroceris, I guess. <laughs> they wanted to get real fancy. Like, it's a fucking <laughs> Don't try to dead it dinosaur. Up, I don't know what it is. Like, oh, watch out for the Stegosaurus and the Necroceris. Uh, just fuck me up. Necroceris, whatever. Every time I hear names like that, I always think of that scene, Joe Dirt. <laughs> don't try to church it up, son. Your name's Joe Dirt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but that that <laughs> album that album fully released and um this is the thing with that band and we discussed it when I showed you the one video is like you know the vocals for that band are a kind of a acquired taste yeah. because it's more of like a raspier death growl I guess you could say and yeah it's I like the album it's a very mid tempo there's a couple like thrashy you know one two parts you know a lot of four four and then mm-hmm. but most of it's mid tempo and it's very. Like you said it too, like reminded you of Carcass. Yeah. To them, I can put in that like gore scene of like Exhumed, Carcass, and they have a really cool sound, but these guys have been around since the 90s, so for them to drop a new album in 2021 and be this good, um, I, I dig it. Like, I, like, dude, I've always been a fan of like the groove metal thing, like even, you know, I don't really, like people claim Pantera, but I, I don't really see Pantera as like groove oh, yeah. metal. Oh yeah, I do. But, like. I put them in there. Like, like White Zombie, White Zombie, yeah, perfect. Like, yeah, White yeah. Zombie, yeah, White Zombie's like fucking like the epitome of groove, groove metal. metal. Yeah, like well, there is some Pantera songs where it's like oh, they're yeah. fucking groovy. Like actually, a lot of them. But like, I still consider Pantera to be like a fucking. You could dance uh, to Harrisay. Can <laughs> yeah, like I, I don't know. I I really I don't. Pan, Pantera is like one of those bands to where. Like I can't give like an exact like genre like it's sludgy heavy metal. It's yeah. just sludgy. Like it's just heavy metal to yeah. me. Like it's just like it's like it's Pantera. I honestly every time I listen to Pantera I think like of a steel mill. Yeah. Vinnie Paul's drums are they just make me think like I'm at a steel <laughs> mill. I don't know what it is. Like and reinventing the like everything they surrounded yeah. themselves with in the time. It was all metal. Yeah. It was all heavy metal. Pantera <laughs> is just like for a fight sequence in a movie. You could probably oh, yeah. pick any Pantera song to play behind that. And, like, you know, when shit's getting ready to go down, that fucking breakdown and domination. Oh, yeah. Like, I, honestly, I, I shared that one meme, like, a few year, a couple years ago where it was, like, you know, like, the heaviest things in the universe, like a neutron star. Yeah. And like, like, whatever, yeah. you know, like, blah, 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 or a kilogram of mercury or some shit. Then it's, like, the breakdown and domination. domination. Yeah, it's that good. <laughs> Especially on, like, a real headset. And it's, like, oh, my God. Like, oh, yeah, dude. <laughs> The best dude is when you watch the live video from Moscow. Yeah. And like they 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 slow it down. Yep. Like by like fucking like 10 BPM from the album so it's like really heavy. Oh yeah. Pantera was ahead of their time with the breakdowns. Way ahead. And they're uh cuz going into what I'm going to talk about later with 
the main topic for today. They're a band that were able to kind of like continuously change their sound throughout their career and make it work. Yeah. um, Pantera is just... I feel like Dime got better every year almost with guitar He got better with every album. You figure Cowboys was obviously a total 180 from what they did with Power Metal. Oh, yeah. Complete 180. But then Vulgar comes out. Far Beyond Driven is... Arguably some of the best metal guitar work you will ever hear out of any band of any time. Well, I also feel like as they went down their discography, obviously we're getting way off topic here with Pantera, but this is what happens. Like at like as their like album cycles and shit started going through, more and more of Dimes like like influences started showing. Yeah. Like his solos started getting like more bluesy yes. and like like less harsh. I mean, granted, there were still songs like that. But like, for instance, like when I when I try to show people like the like when I'm like trying to convince them that Dimebag Daryl is like one of the greatest guitar players ever and he deserved to be higher than like eighty something, <laughs> Rolling Stone. <laughs> um, I show him Floods, phenomenal. That solo in Floods, honestly, like dude, talking about, it, I made the hair stand on my arms. Fucking <laughs> that solo. Is easily in my top five favorite solos of all time. Great Southern Trend Kill is just a yes. The, every album, man. Even reinventing the steel, yep. and we're gonna get out of this rabbit hole. And I'm gonna ask you what you've seen that's newer, <laughs> interesting. Because I started with fucking Foo Fighters, yeah. and we're just like sucking Dimebag Daryl's dead dick right now. Um, Six degrees of separation, yeah, Dimebag dude. But reinventing the steel was something that I really hated on for a long time, just because of the quality of it compared to where they set the bar. But then I yeah. thought about it more and more that. I'm just hating this album because it's not as good as their other shit, but it's the same band and it's still that good. Yeah. I would take reinventing the steel over probably some of like the more notable acts today mm-hmm. of their best work. Yeah. I would take reinventing the steel off of anything ghost has ever put out. Yeah. You know me what too. I mean? Like band. And I actually like even ghost. fucking, um, what the hell is that one band with the whales? Gojira. Gojira. I would take reinventing steel over anything they ever put out. I know you're a Gojira fan, so that's going to be like, more of a debate I do like Gojira, but I mean, Pantera's Pantera. That's I what mean, I'm saying. Like, 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 I just think there's something about the quality of work that Pantera put out throughout their career. Yes. It's almost in the same realm when we talk about bands that were repetitive in a sense of mm-hmm. like Slayer, Motorhead. But the difference with Pantera was is that they still provided a level of depth and talent that yes. wasn't just repetitive music. Yep. You know? like it, Yeah, it was repetitive for them. Because it was fitting the same core, but they didn't do, yeah, you know, well, master of puppets to reload type shit with like honestly vulgar to reinventing the steel. Like if you want to do like the Pantera to Slayer comparison, I feel like Phil Anselmo is a better vocalist than Tom Araya. Rex Brown is definitely a better bass player. I only than Tom think Araya. the only vocalist I would take over Phil Anselmo from that scene is Joey Belladonna. I think Joey Belladonna just had the pipes to be the most versatile yes, vocalist. He, in that he entire has, scene. even to this day, dude, he still, still has the great. versatility. I've seen him how God knows how many. Did you times know that he actually fronts a Journey tribute band? No fucking way. Swear to God. That's pretty impressive. Joey Belladonna. He's got the pipes, dude. He's a good singer. He's phenomenal. And that's actually how he got into Anthrax. Yeah. They heard he was a good singer, and he was like, I'm not even into this trash shit. Like, I, and he was I, perfect I fucking love it. Journey. Like, perfect this is my shit. It. Yeah, and it worked. Yep. Spreading the Disease is such a goddamn great album. However, I think that's also why the why Anthrax is like the lesser of all those bands. Why? 
because of the vocals. You think? Yes. That's a shame. Because like you think about it, I mean, I pr- I like Anthrax, I really do, but like in certain instances, Joey Belladonna doesn't fit with the music to an extent because of how good of a vocalist he really is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like when you think about like Metallica, like James Hetfield fucking fit. Like me personally, I like John Bush. I like John Bush a lot in Anthrax. You know what I always thought, and it's sad. Okay, before this is this, we're definitely yeah. I didn't even do my own. I don't know what just happened. So listen, <laughs> the only thing I will say is, is when we talk about the vocalists of that scene in particular, we always wind up for this because I think they're just like the epitome when we talk about anything in the metal rock genre. Yeah. Is just the most cliche way to describe differences. It's like BC and AD, basically. Kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, for the vocalists of that scene, I always thought to myself, if Megadeth had a dude like Chuck Billy from Testament doing vocals, because no disrespect to Mustaine, phenomenal guitar player, but man should never have been behind the mic. No. I think that is the one thing that kills me, especially later on in their career, that his vocals just did not give me the same... Like Testament, for instance. Yes. Testament is a very good band, never got the recognition that those bands got. Nope. And Chuck Billy's vocals on a Megadeth song would have been so fucking awesome. And then that's the thing yeah. that always there was there's something about every one of those bands that really holds them back. Exactly. Like Slayer, you could throw every solo with the exception of what Jeff Hanneman was able to contribute at the band. Mm-hmm. Like Harry King, you could throw every solo he ever did in the trash and I would know no different. Exactly. That should every album should have been Saint Anger technicality for them and just <laughs> keep your fucking, you know, chugging riffs and, you know, Tom's Satanist I think it's bullshit approach. that we have to have a no solos rule. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Carrie. You had your shot. It's like in football, dude. If you go out there and you don't perform, like you're on the bench. So yeah, at exactly. some point, you got to rest those solos. Got to put your them last bed. draft pick next yeah. season. I figure like they're all in the recording. Like, oh, here comes the fucking whammy bar from Carrie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Bill. <laughs> anything new or interesting outside of this shit? Whatever just happened for the past twenty minutes. Later. Yeah, actually, I'm taking a total left turn. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Um, I went up listening through recommendation of you, Ghostface Killers album Supreme Clientele. Yes, yes, it's actually going to wind up being my suggestion of the week as well. Um, Phenomenal album, man. Yeah. Um, so what? Actually, I wanted to give you a little backstory. What actually brought that up? There's a guy I follow on Instagram. He posted his top hip hop albums. I want to say the top ten of them. Six of them were ones that I had thoroughly listened to. Uh huh. Two in particular stood out, which was, I believe, Outkast's first album, which then was like, wow, I haven't listened to that since I was a teenager, and then Supreme Clientele, and I was like, holy shit, I think I listened to that a couple times when I was younger, because I was a huge hip-hop fan. That was like yeah. my genre of choice when I was a teenager, just where I grew up, who my sister's older friends were, what I was into, but Supreme Clientele, man, like Nas is Illmatic, it's a whole lot of reputation, everything Biggie and Tupac did, mm-hmm. but Ghostface Kill is Supreme Clientele has got to be in a lot of people's top 10, at least, if they're a true hip-hop fan. Well, what I feel like is the, you know, Ghostface and, you know, pretty much everyone from Wu-Tang, with the exception of, like, Method Man, yeah, they kind of, like, fall under the radar because Wu-Tang wasn't up to that level of, like, the Tupacs or yeah. the Biggies or the Snoop Dogs. Yep. You know, they have always been and, you know, forever will be known as that, like, underground rap of course. rap group. And yeah, like, even Jizz is, like, Liquid Swords, which I recommended several months ago. It's just such a fucking phenomenal album yeah. because where they came from. I honestly think the guys... If I had to do a pound-for-pound discography of group members from Wu-Tang compared to NWA, I think the Wu-Tang Clan definitely fucking without a, without had way a fucking better solo doubt. careers. 
Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, even if you count like Dr. Dre's The Chronic and Chronic 2001. Every Ice Cube's discography. I mean, I just think that there's a lot more talent in what came out of Wu-Tang. I honestly feel like Ice Cube is like one of the most overrated rappers of all time. He is the slash of rappers. You know what's cool about that, though, if you think about it? Because we're talking East Coast, West Coast differentials. I wonder if just people who grew up on the West Coast like find a different vibe with that hip-hop, and that's yeah. why they like it more. Because honestly, like listening to Ice Cube versus like pretty much anyone else, Ice Cube's style is very like rudimentary. It's very like, yes. it's a it's very elementary style of rapping. Yeah. Like as opposed to I know I say Eminem all the time, but if you compare like Eminem's rapping to Ice Cube or even Snoop Dogg, you 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 know, you compare Snoop to Ice Cube yeah. or shit, uh well, I can't really maybe uh MC Ren. If you go yeah. MC Ren versus uh Cube, MC Ren win all the time. All the time. Trey, and it's yeah, and MC Ren down. doesn't have nearly the namesake behind him as some of the other guys exactly. just because of the way they stayed in the media and the pop culture. Um but yeah, I think slightly biased just for us for having the East Coast heritage, yeah. you know what I mean? Um you but I put mean him against Biggie, dude. Like Biggie yeah. Biggie had the flow, but Ice Cube had like the wordage. He was able to get more words in. Yeah. But Biggie had an impeccable flow, which is something Ice Cube. Well, never it's also did. too the style of rap that a lot of these guys were headed towards. Yeah, I think Tupac was obviously the golden child of the West Coast hip hop to keep yeah. them in a sense of real gangster rap credibility, and obviously mm-hmm. he did some work that became a little more user friendly, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we talked later too, like the game. The game really put West Coast yeah. hip hop back on the map, and he did it in a style that I could put up there with any of like my top artists of that scene. Yeah, you know, and even more recently with like Kendrick Lamar. Yeah, I absolutely. Mean, I'm not a big Kendrick Lamar fan by any means, but yeah. like what he has done for West Coast rap has been pretty fucking. Yeah, and I think really that's good. important. Yeah, because again, I always i I love just going back because growing up in the '90s and being a part of it, but so young not really understanding it and then it hit the 2000s got into that scene and learned about like how much effort these guys put into their music and how yeah. much it was like a pride thing and trying to be the best and just all the battles and stuff like you just don't have that in the no. rap scene anymore it's just really you got dudes literally snitching on their own fucking people and then yep. still out there like <laughs> I'm a fucking you, yo you had two of the most prominent rappers out there get pardoned by the president like this is the world we live in now like come on is the game the Dimebag Daryl of West Coast rap? Hit us up on our, <laughs> Hit us up on our social medias. <laughs> so how'd you? But overall, you like the album? Oh yeah, I really like it. Phenomenal. Right? I, I did really really like it. Yeah. Um, my standout track, which is also going to be my we'll recommendation, yeah. Woo Banger. Yeah. Good. good yeah, song. dude. It, it was it was a really good album. It's a great album. On this day in music history. On this day, February fifteenth, nineteen forty four, Michael. Avery, also known as Mick, the British rock drummer from the Kinks, is born in East Molisay, Surrey. Surrey. Or is Surrey, that Surrey. Surrey? Whatever, dude. It's like Necroceras, Necroceras. <laughs> you gotta, I, I, forgive me for the pronunciation. Kinks, though. Um, Influential band. Yeah. I think the Kinks are probably just as important as the Beatles. Well, they also had one of the best songs covered by your favorite band. Yes, they did. Yeah, that song, but that's like, on the fucking map. Hell yeah. Well, that's the thing, too. It's kind of funny because not often do you have a band that'll cover a song. I mean, I'm not going to get a tangent about Van, Van Halen, but not often do you have a song that's covered by another artist that the original artist 
says likes their version better than his. All on the Watchtower is the only one I can think of. Bob yeah. Bellows came straight out and said, Jimmy fucking killed that. Well, that, yeah. yeah there's no... <laughs> yeah. Like, honestly, that was that was the song that got me into Jimi Hendrix. Yeah. Well, what and, are you taking? I mean, we're getting off topic a little bit, but what are you taking? Fucking Bob's harmonica solo or Jimi <laughs> Hendrix wailing away on his fucking strap? I mean, come on, dude. Like, honestly, dude, like, I, I didn't like Hendrix for a long time. I yeah. never got it. I still kind of don't get it. But I never you even need gave to his do music a revisit. A chance. You're well, I, do, I never give, did, and yeah. then I started listening, yeah. and then I heard all on the Watchtower. And I was like, okay, he's that good. Yeah, he's good. Thirteen years later, here. Speaking of good, <laughs> nineteen fifty-seven, Jake E. Lee. You may have heard me mention this name before. Um, guitar player for Ozzy Osbourne, most notably for playing at on Bark of the Moon and the Ultimate Sin. Um, he was born. 1957. Um, Jakey Lee, one of one of the most underrated guitar players of the 80s. Definitely one of the most underrated guitar players of Ozzy Osbourne's band. Yeah, he fell into it. Like I said, we talked about this to a point where the talent that was in that band was shrouded by just how high the bar was. Because you think about most of these solo projects, typically it's the front man. Yep. You know, like Dio's supporting cast doesn't get nearly as much credit. Um you know, for being as talented as they were, but Ozzy really surrounded himself with arguably some of the best guitar talent of that era. Oh my God. I well, mean, Randy Rhodes is just, and and I, and I give Zach Wilde a lot of shit from time to time, but I'll never deny the fact of how talented he is and how yeah. much he really respects, you know, his roots and his influences and how much he, you know, shows that and makes an impression on him. Yeah. But the talent that Ozzy surrounded himself with in his solo career has been. Did you know Jakey Lee was the original guitar player in Rat? No, I did not know that. Yeah, he was the original guitar player in Rat, and he was actually roommates with Warren Demartini. It's pretty cool because Randy yeah. Rhodes was the original guitar player in Quiet, Quiet Riot, Riot, so it's interesting. Like you get the, all these hair metal guys. That... Well, like here's like the little fucking like cesspool of like the '80s glam metal. Yeah. So, Jakey Lee was roommates with Warren Demartini when Jake left Rat. At that point in time, it was called Mickey Rat. He left Rat to play with Ozzy. Warren Demartini started playing in yeah. Rat. Okay. Now, Robin Robin Crosley died, right? Carlos Cerveza, who's the guitar player in Quiet Riot, that took Randy what do you have, like, in, What do you have? A hair metal uh, like history book, dude? This is pretty like I thought. This is like off the dome, folks. This- he doesn't have any information in front of him. He's just knowing these names and this chronological history dude this is the youtube thing i tell you yeah this is okay continue this is (laughs) so carlos cerveza he he was the one that took randy rhodes's spot in quiet riot is now the guitar player in rat wow so it's just like a like an ever-ending so jake missed out on the opportunity to be in the guy code commercial yes damn however though i don't feel like i don't feel like jake i feel like jake did more of an impact to guitar playing culture and more for his career by playing with Ozzy than he would have with Rat. Hundred percent. But you but also granted, have to, round and round's cool, but it ain't as cool as Bark of the Moon. It ain't as cool as like Ultimate Sin. You could pick like probably three songs off of every album that Ozzy's ever done with the uh, you know, Osmosis. I don't know about that. <laughs> no, nah, Perry Mason's a good song. See you on the other side's a good song. Yeah, but I mean, we're putting that up to anything off a of Diary or no, no, Blizzard no. or Bark. <laughs> yeah, I mean. but yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways. Jakey Lee, born this day in 1957. A respected seven years later in 1964, the album Meet the Beatles goes number one, stays number one for 11 weeks. Coincidence? I don't think so. I don't think so. 
<laughs> and the following year. <laughs> yeah, 1965, John Lennon passes his driving test. Now, I don't know the context in this at all. I don't know. Like, is there, yeah, a long history of John Lennon not, not fucking being able to being drive? Able to drive? <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. John, how many times has this been, uh, how many times have you taken this driver's test? This will be the Baker's Dozen. Yeah, let's 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 put this in the context, too, for the viewers that, you know, we obviously use the Internet databases to find the information for today's dates and, you know, get some of the information. Today was so goddamn dry to the point that we saw that and had to post it on here just in case you didn't know. So if you're ever watching Jeopardy, which, you know, rest in peace, Alex Trebek, whoever's going to host that and they come up. What year did John Lennon finally pass his driving test? You can thank us for the answer. February 15th, 1965. It would be like, um, I'll take... Or 64, uh, excuse me. I don't want to give you the wrong answer. I'll take what is for 400, Alex. <laughs> the year John Lennon passed his driver's test. <laughs> Which, uh, what is 1965? Perfect. <laughs> 64. 64. We're on that. Uh, no, it's 65. No, 64. Oh, it is 65. All right, Damn, I was right the dude. first time. Wow. <laughs> 1965, to clarify, to give you random trivia answers. <laughs> Yeah, if you're ever on a date and you don't know what the fuck to talk about, by the way, see you wearing a Beatles shirt. Did you Honestly, know? All you really need to do is if you don't have shit to talk about in the way to your date, just throw on a couple episodes of ours. Oh yeah. You yeah, can you'll find have the most more random to talk shit about. to talk about. Did you know that Dave Grohl <laughs> Speaking of random facts that you could use at your next soiree, nineteen sixty five. Nat King Cole, American singer, dies of cancer at age forty nine. Now here's wow. a conversation piece you're not gonna bring up unless Maybe you got a family member that's suffering. Like, oh, Nat King Cole. I mean, could share the same legacy. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I unfortunately, I don't know enough about Nat King Cole to actually kind of throw in any kind of commentary at yeah, all. Yeah, you need to You need to get he some. He did a couple Christmas songs. Yeah, get some. Yeah, you would like Nat King Cole. Very classic vibe music. Grandmother loves Nat King Cole. Speaking of uh, artists my grandmother loves, <laughs> 1969, Birdman. Whose uh, you know government name is Brian Williams, uh, is a U.S. record executive and rapper. Was born in New Orleans, Louisiana. Responsible pretty much for the upbringing of what we know as Lil Wayne today. Yep. Yeah, I liked Birdman. You know, when I was younger, I like Birdman. I like the collaborations they did. Um, you know, they they're another one of those acts. What the fuck was the name of the group that they were all in? Cash Money, obviously, but I want to know if... Oh, Young Money. Young Money. I think Young Money was what Lil Wayne established afterwards. I think Cash Money was what Birdman had established, and then that was the group. Because it was like all the Keep filibustering. I'll, I'll figure this out. I will filibuster. <laughs> 1978, who I recommended, I believe, a week or two ago, Kimberly Goss of the band Synergy, who featured, you know, Rest in Peace, Alexi Leo. Big uh, timers. Born... Big timers. Okay. So, Kimberly Goss, born 1978, Los Angeles, California. Uh, It's cool that this information was on there because I recommended that Synergy album. And I'm telling you right now, if you didn't listen to it and you're a power metal, melodic, death metal, any type of fan, and you want to hear some fucking phenomenal guitar work, the interesting thing about that, a couple of those songs, I did not realize that a lot of their main riffs, like the song I recommended specifically, I Spit on Your Grave, the verse riff, the entire riff is a fucking sweep. He's just sweeping the whole verse. And I got to see like a you know a tutorial of how to play that. I was like, oh, I want to see how easy this song could be. I, I watched, can learn that. I watched like a minute of it, and I'm like, nope. Not today. <laughs> that shit ain't happening. 
this is uh, that's usually what happens watching Alexi play guitar. You're like, yeah, I'm more. It sounds guy. way easier than it is. Like, like I, I just watch him. And I'm like, yep, and I'll just stick to rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> but even his rhythms, it's like I'm not playing any of that. I'll play the intro riff where I'm just holding fucking open power chords. It's almost like when when you're watching like a guitar tutorial from Lamb of God and you're watching Willie Adler and you're just like, man, I probably shouldn't even be playing guitar anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I've been playing guitar for seven years. Me looking at my resume saying I'm playing 14. Yeah. Still don't even know my scales. <laughs> I'll probably give up. <laughs> I should just sell this. Speaking of selling, in 2016, the 58 Grammy Awards, um, the best song... Was uh, the best song Grammy Award was uh, given to Ed Sheeran for the song "Thinking Out Loud," and 1989 received the best album Grammy, of course, by the one and only Taylor Swift. She was not to be interrupted this year by uh, Kanye West. No, no, thank God. 2016, Kanye was uh, getting in the good graces of our ex-president. I think yeah. at that point is when he really thought about a. You know, if he can do it, I can do it. And I actually joked about that when Trump got elected. I thought, like, wow, this is going to, like, open the door for, like, pop culture figures thinking they just have a shot to run. Yeah. I think it was a couple years later or even a year or so later, then that whole thing came out about Connie with the MAGA hat and sitting there with Trump and everyone was, like, all fucking dumbfounded by this and it became a huge thing for some fucking reason. But when he ran for president he was actually on that fucking ballot. Yeah. I was like, this is literally, like. I saw. I picked Kanye too because he was that most vocal, obscure figure to pull something off like yeah, that. Yeah, exactly. I thought it was hilarious. But both uh, 1989, I've listened to that album. I've also mentioned I have a guilty pleasure of Taylor Swift. I was not a huge fan of 1989. Yeah, me. I was kind of glad that Tool fucking blew her out of the water when they <laughs> released their albums in 2018. Um, but there's no bias like, there or anything. No, not at all. <laughs> Even though that's the worst album Tool's ever released, and <laughs> I've kind of lost the veil of facade over my fucking ears <laughs> thinking out loud by ed sheeran though great song yeah i like i give him credit for being as simple and repetitive as he is but for radio hits that guy's just a fucking hit maker yeah actually it's kind of funny too that song um oh shape of you yes that song was actually written by uh, Candy Barres. I think her last name is. Uh, I'm not sure. Correct me if I'm wrong. Anyone out there listening? But she's actually on the Real Housewives of uh, Atlanta. She's also oh, okay. the same person that wrote TLC's No Scrubs. Yeah, I always was a huge fan of Ed Sheeran. Not a huge fan, I guess you say, but a fan since um, the song "The A Team." Oh yeah, all those 2011 album. Um, because it's just. I don't know. There was something about his music, and one day we'll get into like the songs that just have deep-seated <laughs> memories. But today, speaking of albums, yes, right, we had an episode, and this is kind of what I want to get into, which is kind of a definitive moment to be able to understand a some of our favorite artist discographies, some of the most complete discographies. We talked about this. What makes a really good discography? We talk about albums. We've mentioned bands that just have flawless ones. We have mentioned bands that had a few albums that kind of could not ruin their legacy, but just kind of give them less credibility. But I figure what we could do is we can pick three of our personal favorites. Try this topic again. Basically, yeah. This is uh, one day if we ever release outtakes, we'll have an old recording of months ago of this episode going horribly wrong. So we're making a second effort here. 
Um, so uh, I figure we could pick three artists of our personal favorites, rank their discographies, basically our favorite albums down to our least favorite albums. And it's not to say which ones are horrible. It's yeah. just to say these are bands that we like every album by them, but it just had to rank them. Okay. And then I figure we would pick a mutual artist where we could rank and see our disagreements. So what do you want to do? Just like I'll do one, you do one. Yeah, you pick your first artist and I'll pick my artist and rank their discographies. And they're obviously bands I'm sure we're all familiar with so we can discuss. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to make you hum anything to prove your worth. So speaking of Jake E. Lee from earlier. Yes. um, Obviously his contributions to Ozzy Osbourne. You got a cough? Oh. <laughs> His contributions to Ozzy Osbourne are completely unparalleled. Well, I mean that—that's probably the wrong word. They're unmatched. Um, he brought Ozzy into the mid '80s. Like you listen to like Diary and Blizzard, they have like a dated sound to them. Yeah. You listen to Ultimate Sin or Bark at the Moon, of course. It has like a newer edge type sound to it. Well, that's the thing, and we talk about it. Artists that are able to kind of like maintain their relevance yes. and continue to evolve, but not completely change to a sense where you're losing what's familiar. Yeah. You know, which is important, I think, for certain artists. Yeah, which is actually funny too, because, you know, Ozzy's had four guitar players, or I guess now. No. Randy, Jake, Zach. Oh, yeah, four guitar players, because you have to count Andrew Watt now. Yeah. That fucking tool. Anyways, (laughs) up until the newest album, which is Ordinary Man, it always sounded like Ozzy, no matter who the guitar player was. It had this feel that was undeniable Ozzy Osbourne. So, my list... And I can I consider this to be the fucking like be all end all for Ozzy fans. I mean, there, there's gonna be purists out there, and you might disagree with a couple of them. But I feel like Ozzy's essential listens from start to finish. The first album that you should check out is No More Tears. I feel like it is the most commercially successful Ozzy album, but it also has some of the best songs. So you're ranking that as your number one? Yes, is your number one? Okay, followed by Diary of a Madman. Okay. Followed by Bark at the Moon. Blizzard of Oz comes after Bark because I, I, I feel like Blizzard was a good album, but I also feel like it was kind of like piecemealed. Like no one knew what really what it was really going to be. No one really had an idea. And it was just like, all right, let's get this done. So that's why Blizzard ranks lower. But um, after that, then you have No Rest for the Wicked. Zach Wilde's first effort with Ozzy. Then uh, Black Rain, which is his last effort with Ozzy. Then you have... Osmosis, Scream, which was the one-off album he did with Gus G after Zach Wilde's departure. And, of course, you have, in last place, the one and only Ordinary Man. And, honestly... Yeah, that... This is funny. We we talked about the talent he surrounded himself throughout his entire career. And then that. The fact that he became relevant again with an artist like Post Malone. Yes. Right. An artist that has a lot of reputation behind him, has a good following to the point where people thought that Post Malone discovered this old man, basically not having really understanding. Get cultured. Ever since that is when the album really started to take hold that Ozzy was doing some new work. And yes. just because of who he has worked with, the opportunity to be on an Ozzy album, the fact that he couldn't do better than what he did is disturbing. 
This I'm might be the la- Sharon let that shit come That's out. That's what I'm saying. This might be the last studio album we get from Ozzy. Well, I know he's working on something, but I don't know who's yeah. going to be on it. I don't know anything about it. I I hope it's better than Ordinary Man. Uh, shit, I hope it's better than fucking... I, I hope it's better than No More Tears. I don't see that happening, though. I don't either. He's just on a steady decline, and it just really sucks because you look at the Megalodonish type albums like No More Tears, Diver Man Man, Bark of the Moon. You know the three the three albums I think that spotlight those three particular guitar players. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think that there's a chance that they that he can get back to some shit like that. Yeah, it's very sad. You very know, sad. It sucks because you know, like I said, No More Tears is the most commercially successful one, but. I do feel like pound for pound, like if you were to put like, like let's say like Mom, I'm coming home. Yeah, it's equivalent in the Aussie catalog would probably be Goodbye to Romance. Of course, Mom, I'm coming home is better. Yeah, I I think what we should do is too since we are familiar. Yeah. So I'll rank obviously mine. I think if we disagree with the number one choice from the artists, okay, then we'll say which one was our favorites because. I want to say all of these except the Doors. Not a huge Doors fan. No, I I know a de- from talking to you about them. I I've learned a decent amount. Yeah. So what do you want to do with the if we disagree? Well, no, I'm just saying I just make mentions because oh. like my favorite um, Ozzy album personally is Diary of the Madman. Yeah. I think the way like Over the Mountain, the way it just it starts, it's just it's just such a good album, dude. Flying high again. Flying high again is just that riff is just. There's just something about oh that God, album every time I hear it, and the just the the first, those are the first two tracks too, which makes it even better. It's oh, just yeah. like right in your face off the rip. Well, that's the thing. I have to choose no more tears because Zach's my boy. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I'm gonna discuss the artist that we can definitely come to a disagreement on because I already know that your favorite album is not my favorite album by this band but the band is I'm going to start off with Death because they just have my favorite discography of all time yeah and it's not even a bias to say because of the genre blend because I lean more to punk rock being like my favorite genre I don't talk about them enough on here however the movie we are going to recommend this evening is probably one of my favorite punk documentaries outside of Decline of Western Civilization which I recommended prior Knows so we're on a kick, SLC. Yeah, yeah, we're yeah. just gonna keep going down this. Hole. So the band obviously. You know what's funny, I actually uh-huh. wrote down uh, a suggestion too, and it is a punk band as well. Oh, we're gonna save that one because what I'm doing is just perfect. <laughs> so uh, the band is Death. Obviously, mm-hmm. they have a seven studio album discography that every single album in there is nearly flawless from front to back. And when yes. I say nearly flawless, that doesn't mean they're skippable tracks. There's just some sat, you know, tracks that are just. I could take it or leave it. But yeah. still, every album. It's all listenable. Yeah, every album is just that good. My number one is Leprosy. We know this. Leprosy, to me, I think, still had that old school blend of death metal with that little thrash punk kick to it before they totally yeah. innovated their sound after spiritual healing. Mm-hmm. Making my second favorite, Human. Because Human is that middle ground between all the way to sound, all the way back to Scream Bloody Gore. Okay. So Leprosy, Human. Spiritual Healing. Just because that was another Scott Burns production that to me was just phenomenal. Then I went Scream Bloody Gore right in the middle because I think Scream Bloody Gore, just the innovation of it and the way it holds up. And I think also listening to it on a re-release through a vinyl, just kind of giving me a newfound appreciation for how much (laughs) production value is in that. It's actually very good for its time. And then the last three, 
So they were sound of perseverance, symbolic, individual thought patterns, and that's how I rank them. I think sound of perseverance is their best outside of human, their best technical release. I like it slightly better than symbolic. They're almost like interchangeable for me. And it's weird, individual thought patterns being my least favorite. For a long time, I held that up to to a certain standard. Then I got it on vinyl, and I listened to it again, (laughs) and how fucking compressed that album is compared to everything else fell from like top three down. Now, see, symbolic is my favorite. That's where I know. Yeah. That's why I want symbolic to bring it up. Symbolic is my favorite. Because you're album. more the technical, polished sound exactly. of like metal, where I like. You like I, the I want my shit. Fucking nasty yeah, I shit. like Varg's fucking you know recording <laughs> on an eight track in prison black metal. I don't know. Yeah. There's something about it that just it gives me that I feel like I'm in the cabin from Evil Dead, <laughs> like the song Evil Dead on Spring Bloody Gore. That's how I feel. Like I just feel like this really. Yeah. Like, I'm in an 80s horror movie. You know, I mean, it's not that I necessarily don't like, you know, like, the older stuff and, like, the way that that production stuff, the production techniques and shit were, but there's just something to where, you know, like, individual thought patterns, symbolic, and sound of perseverance, like, it, like, opened up. But that's the thing. Me and you have the same appreciation for the opposite sounds. Yes, because the technical stuff and the polished stuff, I still highly enjoy. That's why I say even ranking these albums, it's not to say that they're that bad. It's just to say on preference based, right? Yeah. Because if symbolic, if someone, like, if I have it, I'm listening to it. You know, if someone puts it on, I'm enjoying it. It's never at a point where it's, I'm listening to this and I prefer this. It all depends on, like, a mood base. And I think yeah. that's the thing with death. We talk about bands that were able to adjust and grow in their talents and their sound death has the perfect discography to show the stepping stones because i remember good old um uh lemon line or uh what are we (laughs) calling it (laughs) um lemon rope yeah lemon cord lemon cord lemon cord good old lemon cord i you know (laughs) i just heard about a band and then i would have to download their music based on their artist name because back then it wasn't so easy to look up a discography and find the correct songs exactly so i remember the first time the very first song i downloaded by death was flesh and the power it holds the second my that was my first too so good right i was like what sounds heavy great that and Crystal Mountain. Those Crystal are my, Mountain. Those are my yeah. first two death downloaded yeah. songs. My I mean, second one. Songs. But you have to understand. Yeah, you have <laughs> to understand this though. I listened to Flesh and the Power It Holds. The second song I downloaded was Regurgitated Guts off of Spring Bloody Gore. <laughs> I thought it was two different fucking bands. I was because you know you, on the on the Lemon Chord, yeah. it's really difficult to decipher. If yeah, this you're is just not really, sure. I, I think you could download like a Lil Wayne song and it's fucking. Lupe Fiasco, and you're like, yo, you hear this new Lil Wayne song, and you look like an asshole because your friend's like, bro, that's what the fuck are you listening to? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I downloaded The Misfits, yeah, and a Grave song came up, and a Danzig song came up. I'm like, this isn't the same fucking band. <laughs> Lemon Core's pulling a fucking Fugazi on me. That's but anyway, <laughs> I think with Death, um, I mean, even a fan of any genre based, right? Yeah. If you have that open book mentality where you can get and diverge yep. and go into something different than what you're accustomed to. Yeah. I think it's even harder because when I was a huge hip hop fan, I had to go through the stepping stones. It started with just alternative, got me into punk, punk got me into thrash, thrash got me into heavy metal, heavy metal got me into so on and so forth. Yeah. But death is just, 
I, I, it's just so hard to explain of just how much effort you can hear that they put into their work that every song was given attention to. And, you know, it, it's almost like we were talking about earlier with, like, Pantera. Like, every time they put something out, it's undeniable that it's that it's them. Yes. And it's just all about the, like, you can, like, hear them, like, mature. Oh, yeah. And get better. Like, as, you know, in, like, in a technical standpoint, as the albums progress. Yes. 100%. Now, now I'm about to contradict everything that I was saying about production values and techniques. Okay. My band is Lamb of God. Okay. <laughs> My number one is Ashes of the Wake. 100%. 100%. 100% agree on that. Then uh, New American Gospel. See, I'm more of an As the Palaces. That's my number three. Yeah, that New American Gospel, that's ironic because you just said, yeah, the production yeah. value. And I think that's <laughs> the one album where the production value actually hurts it, in my opinion. Because I typically go for that real gritty, yeah. raw. But Ashes just sets the bar so high where they sound better with that production. Well, the thing with Gospel is, at least the way that I go about thinking of it, is that they're fresh on the scene. Like this is like, like yeah. this is unheard well, of. Well, you gotta hear burn, like I mean, groundbreaking not including stuff. Bird and the Priest, exactly. obviously. But yeah, you can hear that they took a little bit of that and really tried to amp it up. And exactly. Yeah, gospel still holds its fucking weight too. I do so, like that album. Ashes Awake, New American Gospel, As Palaces Burn, Sacrament, uh, Strum Undrang. I and that I totally agree with. Because uh, it's hard for Sacrament, because I, I hate on Sacrament, but it's just better than everything that came after that. Exactly. But, and then Wrath, yeah, uh, Resolution, and then Self-Titled. I agree. I, I, I mean... I agree with that list. That's a very good one. So the only thing me and you differ on is Gospel and Palaces. Palaces. The reason why I bought Palaces the other day on CD, it was dirt cheap. And I've listened to gospel like through a digital format on streaming. Yeah. But I went downstairs and I and I, maybe gospel will change for me if I do the same thing. But I put palaces on like on a decent system and really got dude. It's just yeah, such a fucking good album, man. And like honestly, the the only reason I rank Sacrament so high is because it was the first Lamb of God album that I actually heard. Yeah, Redneck was the first song I ever yeah. heard. So like I heard and Omerta. Yeah, yeah, Omerta just really got me. Like um, I heard Redneck first. Then I heard Walk With Me in Hell. So, you, yeah, you heard Sacrament songs. Yeah, I heard Omerta Sacrament was the first. very first song I ever heard, and I actually if thought... If I would have heard Omerta first, it, it would have been an entirely different fucking story. Well, I mean, Ashes is still your favorite. It's just... Yeah, but the trajectory yeah, of my yeah, life would have been different. Oh, yeah, because... I would have been like, what the fuck is this? Yeah. I remember when I first heard it, I thought the intro was Dane Cook speaking. Whoever really? appeals against the law is... It? I thought that was Dane Cook, because his <laughs> voice sounds so familiar, and at the time, Dane Cook just came out with that stand-up vicious circle, so yeah. I was like, oh, he's part of this like death That's, metal crew. That just shows how old we are, how dated we are, God, Dane damn. Cook. You sound like... <laughs> Dane Cook was popular. I remember getting the cigarettes yeah, down 30. at the vending machine at the bowling alley. We're going to start sounding like those people. Yeah. Like, gas is going to be like $7 a gallon. I remember gas was three ninety two. I remember buying a pack of smokes for $6. Yeah, right? That's how it do. Now it's I remember you get a pack of Mavericks for $6.10. You had a $5 bill in your pocket, you were getting a pack of smokes. $10 <laughs> could have got you a full tank. Shit, remember you could buy smokes for 5 bucks in Philly? Yeah. 100%. Dude, the Wawa in Collingswood. There was a time, literally $5 after tax was the equal value for a pack of Marlboro. I would go down there with 10 bucks when I was like 13 years old, and that was like my drug of choice, I guess you could say. I was smoking <laughs> cigarettes. I'd sneak out of the house, go to my boys that were like 19, because 21 now is just... Yeah. America's fucking people over here. Um, 
Yeah. But I totally, I totally get down with that list. That's a great list. Thank you. I'm going to switch it in Tupac now. Okay. I think Tupac, because his discography is what I was bringing up earlier when I said we were getting into this on the topic. Tupac, to me, it's really hard to rank him because I treat Nas and Biggie. I just have that East Coast connection of just hip-hop. Yeah. I think there's just something about it that makes me feel involved. It makes me feel like the realities. It just it has such a level of talent and effort put into it that there's just a more fitting feel. But Tupac, to me is the golden boy of the West Coast hip-hop scene. Yes. He really put them on the map. He really gave them a lot of credibility. And for all the other artists that came out during that time, Tupac has the most extensive and well-respected discography, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree with that. The thing with Tupac is, the first one I'm going to say is probably not anyone's favorite or a very small margin is Tupacalypse Now, which is his first release. The reason being is because we talk about production value again. Mm-hmm. This album works for me. Ironically enough, what got me into it was because I heard I Don't Give a Fuck on Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. It was yeah. one of the songs on one of the radio stations, and that song got me every fuck. It was just such a good song. It was one of those songs where if you're driving in San Andreas, I'm skipping the radio until that song comes on. Yeah. Like, that song just got me. The second one I put in because of California Love. I think that song was like a definitive moment for like west coast hip-hop yeah it was just the collaboration the video everything about it, the mad max setup it was so fucking yep. cool so all eyes on me is my number two number three me against the world i think me against the world is either I, I all like eyes on me or me against the world are probably those two tupac albums that people could say you know like for instance I have personal favorites, and then I could say, but this is their best work. And yeah. it's going to come down to Me Against the World or All Eyes on Me or just those albums you'll recommend to somebody, oh, even yeah. though they're not your personal favorites. Then, strictly for my expletive. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's my... Um, <laughs> strictly for my... Beep. Yeah, that's my number four. <laughs> and then, last one, obviously, Don Caluminati. I think Tupac's career, the way it went, was almost perfect. And the sad thing about it is it's the same thing with Biggie. I honestly think if both of them stayed alive, Tupac would have had the more successful career. I think Biggie, his flow and everything about it, he would have had to have made some differences. But Tupac was able to be versatile enough to create those club hits as well as those gritty hip-hop hits and really stay relevant with both cultures of the scene. I agree with that. So, But at the end of the day, it's like I said, it's still hard for me to pick even Nas you know, or Tupac over Nas, or Tupac over Biggie. It's really tough with some of those mm-hmm. because their albums that they put out are just that phenomenal. Now, it is funny you say that because it's never been it's never been explained like that yeah. to me ever. Yeah. I do agree with that. I do feel like if them two were still alive, Biggie would not have changed with the times. At he would have and but that's the thing. I don't think that would have necessarily hurt him as much. I just think he'd become overall, the slayer of rap. Yeah. But Biggie was that good, though. That's the thing. Yeah. It's like, how long could he have kept that up as opposed to eventually well, having to create? Yeah. You know, for well, instance, I mean, you know, John and he did. Ludacris. He did start, you know, with like the uh, junior mafia and shit. Yeah. Like, so well, there was P. Like, Diddy would. But, but you could tell anytime he hooked up with Diddy. I mean, like Juicy, for instance. Right. Yeah. That he had some of those songs, but you could tell that just not what his 
strong suit was. Exactly. He made those songs, but a lot of that was Junior Mafia really kind of creating an evolution of yeah. Biggie himself. And it's how long could it have kept up where Tupac's songs still had the yeah. versatility. Where he was able was, to do whatever he wanted. Absolutely. Like, you know. So, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, once it hit the 2000s, everything became about like club hits and yeah. really lost the, like, I mean, even 50 Cent was one of those last artists that could release an album that was straight club hits, but still had like a gangster rap attitude towards yeah. it. I feel like I, I could have seen Tupac going down that going down that rat route rather. Yeah. Because I mean, you think about the trajectory of like Death Row Records and stuff, Shug would have been like, We gotta get on this. Yeah. We gotta get on this in the club. And rap. it's not even to say that Tupac I would have said would have been better than Biggie. I might have liked Biggie's shit better compared to what Tupac may have released later on. But I think just in the world of pop culture, I think Tupac would have just had a more successful career when it was all said and yeah, done. Yeah, Tupac definitely got the shaft in the whole East Coast versus West Coast 100%, thing. man. But, I um, mean that, but, you know, that's obviously the death row yeah, setup. Yeah, all that stupid shit. Yeah. But I think the only thing I would disagree with is I would have to put I, I, All Eyes on number Me, one. number one. Yeah, I agree with that. That's tough Like, for I do me. like Tupacalypse now, don't get me wrong. Don't ask me to hum the song or ask me how uh, how any of them go. But <laughs> <laughs> I think, like I said, Tupac Lives Now just has that personal favorite. Yes. But if I was going to say, yo, you need to listen to Tupac, and as opposed to... Because rec- I like to recommend albums, because you could do a uh, compilation. You could just say, listen to these specific songs. Exactly. But I think an album, you can get a better idea of like how talented the artist is away yeah. from the songs that you hear on a repetitive basis. And All Eyes on Me, to me... Would be the album to say, check this one out first. Yes. But Tupac Lives Now just has a special place in my heart. Now, the following in the, you know, your footsteps here with rap, my last uh, artist here is Eminem. Yeah. Now, now he's, yeah, he's got a good discography to write. I feel like, I feel like my list will probably, uh, well, the, like if you were to write an Eminem list and I did, I feel like they would kind of mirror each other a little bit. Eminem show is number Depends. one. Pens. Okay. On the what? only one that's going to fuck this all up is where you put Encore. Oh, no. I, I go think, through I, it. I think you'll agree. Okay, with okay. Go, you can go through it. So Eminem Show is number one. Okay. It's just one of those undeniable, like, never mind black album Well, the thing about albums. And this is the thing. I thought you were going to pick this, so I had it in my head of what I was going to say at your number one. I had the argument myself between Marshall Mathers LP and Eminem Show. Right, Marshall Mathers LP is my number two. That's and that's what I'm saying. I would have to pick Eminem show just for two reasons: a because of just how great it is, obviously. Yeah. Second thing is, it was. I think everybody's first CD they bought for some reason is like Hybrid Theory by Linkin Park or some shit. But my second album I ever purchased, and I fucking made sure to get the explicit copy because I found out about that later on. I was a small kid at the time. Yeah. And I remember being in a fucking Walmart or a Kmart probably back then <laughs> and slipped it to my dad. I was like, I want to get this album. And he had no fucking clue. My dad wasn't paying attention to the times, what explicit CDs were like or what artists yeah. were like that day. He still thinks I'm listening to like Bob Seger or Phil Collins. He probably like got in the car like, hey, do you want to hear this CD? And yeah. you're like, no, dad, yeah, I'll wait yeah, till yeah, I get home. I'll wait till I get home. But yeah, I slipped that in one day and that was the first album that I listened to. And shortly after that, I got Grand Theft Auto 3 and I really thought one day I was just going to be this... I'm getting into hip hop. Eminem really put me in a position where I thought like I, I think he to did be it to all of us. A kid, yeah, dude. He the Eminem show is just too memorable. If he can do it, I can do it. Yeah. And then I watched Eight Mile. I'm like, wow, my life was nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> I get it now why I can't do what he did. Jesus, that's so funny. <laughs> Papa Doc would have ripped my asshole apart, dude. Jesus Christ, couldn't have hip hop battle. But Papa Doc had one. <laughs> 
I would have been the Cheddar Bob of Eight Mile if that was my life. I'm a Cheddar Bob. <laughs> anyway, all right. So Eminem show, and then I'm Marshall Mathers uh, LP. Marshall Mathers LP. Great. Slim Shady LP. Hundred percent. Infinite. Really? Yes. Okay. Kamikaze. Okay. Relapse. Yeah. Recovery. Yeah. Marshall Mathers LP two. Music to be murdered by. Encore. Revival. Pretty close. I mean, the only uh, one I think encore. I have to. I can't put it dead last because revival was just that really bad. bad. I get. I get. The only thing is, I'm pretty sure, and I'd have to go back, but I'm pretty sure infinite and recovery would probably be swapped for me. I think recovery because relapse was just. I remember when that came out and it was a very exciting moment because Eminem was like making that revival from like what Encore established for him in that goofy yeah. sense. And it still had those repetitive, goofy moments in it, I guess yeah. you say. Recovery to me was almost like him trying to return to form. There's just yeah. something about recovery that I always enjoyed. Infinite is very good. The thing with Infinite is that has that Ed Sheeran collaboration song on it, right? No, Infinite's the first album. Like pre Marshmallow's LP. Oh, you! Oh, infinite, infinite. Yeah, infinite, infinite. Why am I thinking of um, um, what's the album that had revival? The, revival. Yeah, revival okay, is the one the you're difference. thinking of. Yeah, I'm way off then. Infinite. I if yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Fucking infinite is um, it's like the building block. Yeah, like you know, it it is what Eminem was. I couldn't put that down low. I. Couldn't put it uh, below Kamikaze yeah. or Relapse or Recovery. Yeah. But, however, I couldn't put it up to Slim Shady, Marshmallow's well, LP or Eminem. And that's funny because Slim Shady LP and Marshall Mathers LP are almost interchangeable depending yes. on the mood. But I think, if yeah, like the way you cemented it, I think Marshall Mathers LP just overall is the one I would go to more. Yes. The way I establish things and how much I actually enjoy them personally... Because you could go out of your way and just say Marshall Mathers LP is my favorite because it's just the most iconic. It's not Eminem show. It's not the most cliche one. The way I establish things is when I go to purchase a vinyl by an artist, what's the first one I'm searching for? Yeah. Like psychologically, subconsciously, there's always a moment where, all right, I don't have any Eminem albums. The first one I search, and usually it's Marshall Mathers LP. So when I think about it in hindsight, the only reason why I would pick Eminem show better, even though that would be the case, is just because of when I listened to it, the age the I was at, and factor. it was new. You know, yeah. it wasn't we were you know twenty five and we're going back to ninety five to like discover exactly artists. like kids that are born in two thousand now they're twenty years old. Yeah, you know, so they grew up throughout the two thousands and like didn't hit adolescence and prime teenagehood until that album was already like gone what 15 years old yeah exactly so before it was on fucking uh classic rock yeah. radio this album was dead <laughs> like an album that there was no streaming it was you had a genre buy it defining moment it. yeah you had to buy it and listen to it like the way i see eminem shows the same way that people see nirvana's nevermind or metallica's black album absolutely or i don't know uh allison changes facelift or pearl jam's 10 yep you know what have you we i have see to... eminem show like that and the cool thing about it was you Michael figure Jackson's out with Thriller. Sh- Hunter, you made Thriller. <laughs> um, the cool thing about it is, is you figure with streaming. We talk about this all the time, where an artist is about to release an album, so they put out one song here, two songs there. Eventually, there's five songs of the nine songs of the album that you can listen to. Yeah. Back then, you didn't have that luxury, but you did have MTV that would say, new music video. Remember when they put up the clip? Like, new. Yeah. You know? And then Without Me came out. 
Yeah. You know? When Without that. Me came out and you knew a new Eminem album was coming and the only thing you had to go on was hoping that music video was going to play, which when it was new, it played quite a bit. But I remember yeah. waking up at 6 a.m., turn on MTV, getting ready for school in like the fucking fifth, sixth grade or whatever I was in. Thought it was the coolest shit ever. And yeah. then when that album dropped, you know what I mean? That's just, I think that's why that album too, I agree, is yeah. definitely my favorite overall. And pound for pound, dude, you, there's not a skippable song on there. No. Um, maybe that's a lie. I wouldn't listen to Soldier. Um, I still like Soldier. Soldier is my least favorite track on that. Probably album. is too. Then say goodbye to Hollywood. That's probably my least favorite. Yeah, yeah. And then, but everything else is fine. Like yeah. even the skits, the skits are funny as shit. Yeah. This is by far the most. Yeah. Incredible thing I've I ever. I just yeah heard. that album man. Amazing. Till I collapse, White America. I just Square Dance. Square Dance is phenomenal, dude. To like collapse. And that's a good album too, in the sense of like when artists get involved with politics and the way they're able to incorporate into their music of what's relevant at the time. Yes. Eminem took it to a point where he made it interesting enough and really knew his shit to yep. be able to create this music and have it be relevant. Because nowadays it's just uh, trash. Yeah, it's not. It, 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 it call it as it is. It's fucking garbage. Now. My last artist is, I don't know if I'm going to switch this because I think you are familiar with the artist I might want to do. Let me ask you so we can talk about this more extensively. The okay. Doors or Tool? I know, I know just as much about both bands. Okay. I mean, I like Tool more than The Doors. All right, I'm going to do The Doors since they're just probably my favorite band overall. Okay. I'll keep it that simple. So <laughs> I rank this as their second release as my favorite, Strange Days. Okay. Strange Days, you know, it's got Moonlight Drive on it, um, Love Me Two Times, um, and then When the Music's Over, which is the last track, it's similar to the end in their self-title. It's like an 11-minute song, and it's okay. just so... like There's something about Strange Days where vibe-wise, it's just... It's just perfect. It's a perfect album. It's got every sense that you want from a Doors album. I think it is arguably their best work. Um, however, the second one I picked is Waiting for the Sun. Then I went self-title at number three because the last three, Morrison Hotel I ranked, then L.A. Woman, and then their last, in my opinion, is Soft Parade, which has, come on, come on, come on, now touch. Yeah, I like I song. think they got really goofy in that era for a bit and then la woman i rank that right above it because i think la woman is great but compared to everything else like jim morrison was losing it you could tell but the music still held up and then there's obviously three albums that came out posthumously um an american prayer which was basically spoken word poetry of jim morrison then they released two albums without jim which were other voices and full circle and I like Morrison Hotel. Morrison Hotel is phenomenal. I think that's the thing with these bands I think we picked is that you make them enough to know that every album you should listen to with the exception of the last three. I mean, American Prayer by the Doors is good. Full Circle and Other Voices without Jim Morrison I don't think should ever have it's been the doors. created. Yeah. But everything that he did and he was a part of and that music alone is overrated as you could classify them because of the notoriety that Jim Morrison has. The discography is just that great. Now, before we close a mutual artist that we're both going to rank. And we okay. can go back and forth and say our first. I think Allison Change is the best one to rank. And we're going to include EPs, obviously, and we're going to include 
the live set because every artist we did was just studio albums. But Alice in Chains' discography is condensed enough to add all that in there because it's just as reputable okay. as their studio work. Well, my one... The only reason I'm going to have to pick it is because it has the best of everything on it, Unplugged. I figured. I think Unplugged is the best, like, the best not studio album. Yes. And like I said, the only reason is because of the songs that are on there. Like, of course. If they released that as an album, like, if it wasn't Unplugged and it was actually a studio that album was with the all really, those fucking yeah. songs, holy shit, yeah. dude, it would be the That's greatest great album ever. Yeah, there's nothing that could compare to that. Um, Probably my number two would have to be... Facelift, then self-titled, dirt, sap. No, hold on, hold on. Hold you on. miss, yeah, my number one, which is ironic. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> facelift number two, number three is going to be self-titled, jar of flies, dirt, sap. Okay. See, my number it's one. Not that I hate sap. It's just sap it's is my last. I'll put that as well. That's what I mean. It's the Every artist that we're ranking is just the weakest of their discography. But yes. again, it's when I talked about reinventing the steel. And obviously, we're not talking Dude. about William Duvall era. Allison no, Jones. we're keeping that out just for the simple sake of the more notable to go into this because everything's going to rank higher to the Duvall stuff anyway. Exactly. Just in my personal opinion. Um, but number one for me is Jar of Flies. Okay. I think Jar of Flies, even though it's an EP, it has the most... How do I put like th- th- to me that's an Alice in Chains album. That is you get to hear every It's dark beast of their town. Ta- yeah. Because this is the thing. My number two is Facelift. Mm-hmm. Facelift, I think, is the definitive Alice in Chains album just to like, okay, you never listen to this band, go listen to this, because it's enough work. And then if you can digest that, then I'm gonna say Jara Flies, because that is my personal favorite. Okay, yeah. Number three, I'm putting as unplugged. And the same reason why. Because if we're concluding this, I think that's a very I'm a big fan of live music to mm-hmm. really establish how good you know good these people are because you figure most artists today that go into a studio that are able to manipulate not only their instruments but their voices, yes. a live show could make or break you. Yeah. 100%. And I think they're unplugged. We talk about the debate, obviously, between theirs and Nirvana's, but just because of the song choices, how well it was done, yeah. how great it sounds... That's got to be my number three. The mix was incredible. Phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. My number four is Dirt. I think the reason more so I put this over self-title is because of the relation. We talked about harmonies, right, with artists. Mm. And um, I did say, I don't know if I said that Junkhead was the worst song on the album because I didn't mean that. I meant Sick Man. I think Sick Man is a fucking garbage song. But Junkhead, man, is such a good fucking song dude. dude and just the vocal harmonies throughout Amazing. that album i mean wood rooster obviously the hits that we know and love it's just that album to me is just so good then i go self-title i think self-title and dirt are almost interchangeable yeah same way jar of flies and facelift they're almost interchangeable because they're just they're just such good albums and then sap being yeah i mean cool. there's just something about sap like got me wrong is a great bad. song but brother eat, yeah, there's right a lot of good songs on that, but when you put that up to everything else that they've done, they're another band where I say they set the bar so goddamn high that even great yeah. work can be looked at as lesser than. Honestly, though, I one of my favorite songs in their whole discography is Right Turn. It's a great song. I love I love the Chris Cornell aspect yeah. of it, dude. Like, it's just a good fucking song. I just... That's the same thing way I feel about Jar of Flies because the way the Unplugged opens as well as the way... 
Jar of Flies second song. Because the way Jar of Flies starts with Rotten Apple, that's just so. And then goes right into Nutshell. And Nutshell is just such like a happy, depressing song. Mm -hmm. They keep this upbeat tempo, but it's just the lyrical content that Liam was providing. And the melodies are just so eerie. Like Alice in Chains could really create a whole sense of euphoria and a very eerie vibe that not many bands of that era could really establish. You know, it's just one of those things. Like I say it all the time, like pound for pound, Alice in Chains is the best grunge band. Like Mud Honey is the only grunge band. Yeah. that's that <laughs> we know this yeah um but yeah no alice and chains and that's the thing for me they are the most versatile band to really establish themselves to so many different aspects of cultures yes. and scenes we're the same way motorhead motorhead was really respected by the metal community as well as the punk community yep. which was a very hard thing to really gain credibility for and alice and chains you could have metal fans yeah. You could have punk fans. You could have the 90s alt fans. Like There were so many aspects to Alice in Chains and so many dimensions that yeah. there's no way you can't not like them if exactly. you're a fan of that scene. It's just impossible. Yeah. But yeah, very. Uh, that's that's our ranking list here at Rage Mainstream. Yeah. Yeah. This was a great topic. <laughs> very well done. Polished. Amazing topic. What are your favorite artists? <laughs> and what are your favorite albums by those artists? Yeah, do you agree with what we had to say? Would your list differ from either of ours? Are we retarded and couldn't come up with a correct list? And you feel that Jar of Flies should be nowhere near the top and that Eminem show is garbage? Yeah, exactly. Is is Revival the number one Eminem album of all time? <laughs> do you prefer Wrath over Ashes of the Week? You know, like, I'm not going to sit here and, like, you know, like, boast ourselves and like we're the shit or whatever but i do feel like if we say something it should be taken pretty fucking seriously put it this way i bought a siri home pod yesterday okay then you know they're like alexis but they're apple and i was thinking about the you investment would. yeah i was thinking about the investment and then i was thinking in hindsight of you know the utilization to listen to music and i started thinking about what i do on a daily basis talking about credibility with terms of music if I wake up at 8.30, I probably have music on. Like, let's say I'm, I'm up at 8.30, I go to bed at, like, let's say 11. Yeah. Between those hours, I have something playing and something either new or something in a full, complete album history, not a playlist of just songs yeah. I've heard a thousand times because I'm trying to branch out. Probably 90% of my day, I have music on. I mean, I got, that's what I'm saying. So these recommendations don't just come with, like, oh, I went on Rate Your Music and listened to some reviews and quickly gave it. Like, no, I listen to these fucking albums. So, if you don't agree with what we have to say, like I said, I I don't feel like we are the be-all, end-all, but I do feel like if we recommend something, or even as far as what we did here with ranking discographies, I feel like our suggestions shouldn't be taken lightly. That's what I'm saying. This isn't even a sense of like elitist attitude. This is really just understanding that... In all honesty, the reviews that we produce come with a strong sense of confidence in yes. that we know these albums inside and out. We've listened to them enough. We've had enough to be able to compare and understand. And You know, obviously, there's going to be disagreements. I mean, yeah. people just feel certain things are better than others. And that's the thing about me is I respect that. You yeah. know, you, you could be in a metalcore. I could be in a traditional death metal. But I'll never once deny the opportunity to listen to something, even if it goes against my better judgment. Exactly. And we talked about that in a previous episode. Like you remember episode. I showed you Winds of Plague. You were 100%. Like, it's actually fucking good. It was the same thing. And I bring it up every goddamn time with Parkway Drive because of yeah. the scene that they were in. I was very anti 
fucking Clearview establishment, whatever you want to call it, every goddamn kid in there, and then I got into it. But the, <laughs> not the scene itself, but the music, and that's what it's all about. You yeah. know, I just really, at the end of the day, regardless of what it is, music's music, and I give it an opportunity. Exactly. It's important. So, speaking of music, <laughs> we're going to roll into our suggestions of the week here. My suggestion for this week is to check out the Lamb of God album, Seven, Sturm und Drang. The song Please. is my personal favorite. Please. Five, Please. one, two. Fuck, dude, that... Dude, it's I have amazing. it on a playlist. We talked about like driving tunes. That riff. Yeah. Dude, it's just amazing. Like, even the chorus is so good. Oh, my God, dude. So good. Um, Can't recognize myself. Just because we were on the talk of hip-hop, we're going to stick on the East Coast side. The 1998 release, Capital Punishment by Big Punisher, also known as Big Pun. The song I'm going to recommend is just simply probably just the favorite song on the album. You know the song, by the way. You just don't know you know the song, but you know this song. Okay. It's called Twins, also known as Deep Cover 98. Also oh, features yeah. Fat Joe. Probably one of the best verses Big Pun has ever done is in this, and it's so iconic, and his flow in this song and the collab with Fat Joe is just that good. That special. shows somebody no one ever talks about. I was going to bring that up. I think that could be a topic of artists that just like disappeared. Fell under the radar. They're like, they're still Fell hit. off the radar. Because I thought like Young Jeezy, for instance. Yeah. Rick Ross. Like there's so many artists. What happened that, to Chingy? <laughs> without, yeah. They just disappeared. They he, had no like moment of, He was you know, chilling at the Holiday Inn and he just never well, came never back. Came out, he became Hotel California. Pretty much. <laughs> you can check Is Holiday Inn like, Hotel California too? <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, Capital Punishment, Big Pun, Twins, Deep Cover. Nice. Our group suggestion for this week is coming in the form of... Another punk documentary. <laughs> I've just been on a big kick. Uh, this one I was going to recommend instead of Decline of Western Civilization, but I think that one should open the door first because this one will have more controversial aspects to the history of the United Kingdom and the punk establishment over there. But the documentary is the 1983 release directed by Christopher Collins. It is called UKDK, a film about punks and skinheads. Now, here's the thing with this. The soundtrack for this fucking and the in the live sessions of this have so many excellent punk bands. The Exploited, The Addicts, Chaos UK, Disorder, The Business, The Verrukers, Vice Squad, Blitz, Peter and the Test Tube Babies, there's so many good fucking punk bands that if you're ever going to get into the scene and you need to know the... Like, if you're out there listening to Green Day and fucking Pennywise and, you know, Bad Religion, the modern pop-ish closer to punk than, you Mm -hmm. know, Newfound Glory or some shit, you need to understand your roots. I think The Klein and UKDK are the two best punk rock documentaries that you can find that really give you a sense of the scene and the establishment of the culture. Very important, very important watches. Well, on that note, I guess that kind of wraps it up for this week here on Rage Against the Mainstream podcast. Like I mentioned before, if you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on our social media accounts, Instagram and Twitter at R-A-T-M podcast and Facebook.com slash R-A-T-M podcast. You can also find us on our website, R-A-T-M podcast.wixsite.com slash R-A-T-M podcast. And, uh, you know, we're still constantly taking submissions for bands, artists, 
any genre, honestly. You want to get a spotlight on the show. You want to, you know, get your music out there. You want to come on here and just talk shit to us. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we're open. Whatever you we're want. We're open. Accepting Skype calls and Zoom chats. And Anything. OnlyFans coming got. soon. Yep. Um, yeah, but on that note, this is another episode of Radio Mainstream Podcast for Books. As always, I'm Bill. I'm Steve. Have a good night, guys. Thanks for listening.